You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. tithe of the herd and flock, every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod, will be holy to the Lord. Now why holy to the Lord? Because the tenth represents the whole. And so every time I tithe, I'm saying to the Lord, in honor of the Lord, I wouldn't have anything if it wasn't for you. And this is to honor you, the tithe, because it all belongs to you anyway. Without you, I would have nothing. No matter what our stance on tithing might be, we would be hard-pressed to come up with an argument against tithing. Whether we believe it's limited to Old Testament practices or otherwise, there are several blessings and principles that come from tithing. As Pastor Danny will discuss in his message today, tithing is a great way to acknowledge the direct provisions from God in your life. In his study, you'll be reminded that were it not for God, any and all of what we have wouldn't exist in the first place. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 8 as he begins his message, My First Commitment as a Christian. sometime now I felt led to postpone our study through the New Testament and to do a series of messages on what I consider to be basics of the Christian life. Basics that I have experienced, continue to experience, and I believe without which experiencing we will never mature in the Lord the way we should and we'll miss the blessing that God intends for our lives. This one I'm going to share today might be a little surprising to you, but I'm actually very excited about sharing it because it's just such a blessing. I was going to make it the first one last week, and I thought through it, I thought, well, the very first thing that happened to me as a Christian was new life in Christ and then new relationships. And so I shared last week on new life and new relationships. We look at the springboard verse, bad company corrupts good character. If you weren't here, I'd love for you to go online and get that message because it was just so practical, as is as are all of these, I think. The springboard for what I want to talk to you about today is from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. Here's what Paul writes. Just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness and your, in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. That's the subject, but I want to be very specific. One particular aspect of giving that's been a part of my life ever since I became a Christian at the age of 19. Paul, in his farewell address to the Ephesian elders, let me read you a section of what he said from Acts chapter 20, verse 35. He says, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said. And then he gives us what Jesus said 
which was not recorded in the Gospels, but evidently was passed on orally to people like the Apostle Paul. And here's what he says Jesus said. It is more blessed to give than to receive. So the more a giver I am, the more blessed, according to Jesus, my life will be. Jesus said in Luke chapter 12 and verse 33, let me just read it. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I love what Louis Giglio coined, as I'm sure he thought this through. And I've memorized this and I say it to myself quite often. Follow the trail of your time, energy, affections, and money. And there you find a throne. And whatever or whoever is on that throne is the object of your worship. That's a tremendous statement. Emphasis, of course, today on money. Jesus said in Luke chapter 16, verse 13, no servant can serve two masters. He'll either hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. That's what Jesus said. Paul wrote to Timothy, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith, pierced themselves with many griefs. Now, note, it's the love of money. Money can't do evil. Money is not evil. It's the love of money. That's where the problem comes in. Achan, remember on the first stop in the promised land at Jericho, and God had told the people of Israel, don't take the money or any of the valuables of Jericho. Why? As you'll see again in a minute, first fruits belong to the Lord. First fruits are the Lord's. That's what God says over and over again. But Achan uh, sinned. He took some of the first fruits, and it ended up costing he and his whole family their lives. Balaam, that was his problem. He loved the wages of wickedness. Gehazi, servant of one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament, Elisha, greed gripped his heart, and he became a leper for the rest of his life. Israel repeatedly violating the Sabbath over the years, and the root of that was their love of money. They violated the Sabbath because on the Sabbath they wanted to make more money, and God said, don't do any work on the Sabbath. And they violated it just because of their love of money. Jesus said about the Pharisees, one of the problems they had is they loved money. And Ananias and Sapphira, a couple in the church in Jerusalem, the early church, great time to be a part of the church and all kind of great things happening, but greed gripped their heart and it actually cost them their very lives. Now, the first thing that happened to me as a Christian, new life, new relationships, but the first commitment I ever made as a young Christian, 19 years old, was a commitment in regard to giving, a very specific commitment. Thank the Lord. I'm so thankful today. Uh, I've kept this commitment now for over 37 years, and I intended to keep it until I see Jesus. I had $2,000 in the bank. I wrote a check for $200, and I hand-delivered it to Pastor Milton Fraser. Now, if I had to do it over again, I wouldn't hand it to the pastor. I'd just put it in the offering. But I thought that was the right thing to do then. I was so excited about it. I wanted him to know that I was making a commitment to tithe. That was my commitment. Tithe just means 
I love Jerry Falwell, another one of my mentors, who's now with the Lord, uh, my alma mater, Liberty University, and uh, in the early days of the ministry there, I remember Pastor Falwell uh, talking about when he first became a Christian, also as a teenager, and uh, he became part of a church called Park Avenue Baptist Church, and he said his first time there, they had this big banner up uh, in the front uh, on the stage, uh, be a tither. He didn't know what a tither was. He thought it was a tither. And he went up and asked somebody at the church, at the leader of the church, what's a tither? And he said, well, it's not a tither, it's a tither. And uh, tithe, it just means 10%. And again, I'm excited about sharing this with you. A few years ago, I would have been afraid to share this. I'm excited to share this because it's such a blessing. Listen, the biblical basis for the tithe, I think it's clear. I'm amazed there are people that are much smarter than me, that I went online and checked out. They're teaching that don't believe that tithing is New Testament. And we can agree to disagree on that, but I think there's tremendous biblical support for the tithe. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. Here's what it says. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your increase. I have for a long time believed that the first fruits is the 10%. It's the tithe. But I had no verse to back it up. And then I found this verse. 2 Chronicles 31.5, the Israelites gave the first fruits of their grain, new wine, oil, and honey, and all that the fields produced. They, gave, they brought a great amount, a tithe of everything. And the tithe here is equal to the first fruits, and the first fruits are equal to the tithe. This is under the leadership of Hezekiah and the revival that Hezekiah led uh, while he was king of Israel. And one of the things that was recommitted was this thing of tithing. Abraham. Go with me, if you will, Genesis chapter 14. Some people say, well, the tithe is not New Testament. Well, wait a minute. Genesis chapter 14, they say it's not New Testament. It was under the law. Wait a minute. The tithe started before the law. This is Genesis 14. This is before the law of Moses. Here's Abram, before his name was changed to Abraham. His nephew Lot has been kidnapped by an alliance of kings. Abram and uh, 300 and some men go out and God gives him the victory to rescue Lot and the others that had been taken captive. Pick it up with me. Chapter 14, verse 17. After Abram returned from defeating Kedra Lamer and the kings allied with him, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Shaveh. Verse 18. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, which is king of peace, brought out bread and wine. I don't have any doubt what the bread and wine signify. That's the communion, bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tithe, a tenth of everything. Verse 21, the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the people and keep the goods for yourself. Trust me, the king of Sodom is representative of the king of evil, representative of Satan. What does Satan want? He wants the people. And he's glad to make us rich, all right, if we'll give up the people. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I've raised my hand to the Lord God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and taken an oath that I'll accept nothing belonging to you not even a thread or the thong of a sandal, so that you will never be able to say, I made Abram rich. These two kings, Melchizedek and the king of Sodom, we know, and I believe, 
My conviction is Melchizedek is Christ in the Old Testament. I don't think he's a type of Christ because Melchizedek, written about in Psalm 110, a messianic psalm written by King David, and verse 1, Jesus used to try to point out to the Pharisees and the people of the day that Messiah is actually God come in the flesh. And verse 1 says, David said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. And Jesus asked the question, if he's David's son, how can he be David's Lord also? Trying to show the greatness of Messiah. Then verse 4, verse 4 of Psalm 110, the Lord has decided and will not change his mind. You, Messiah, are a priest in the order of Melchizedek. You go to Hebrews chapter 6, referring to Melchizedek as Christ without father or mother, without beginning of days or end of life. He remains a priest forever. I think this is the greatest biblical argument in all the Bible for the tithe. It's not law. It's Abram giving to Christ a tenth. And then you go to Genesis chapter 28. Jacob is running for his life because of his deceitful ways toward his father and his family. Esau, his brothers, threatened to kill him. So he's running to Uncle Laban's house. He has to sleep overnight on the way in the wilderness. He has a dream. He sees a stairway and angels ascending and descending. He wakes up and he says, wow, verse 16, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. In other words, God's working on my behalf and I didn't even know it. He says, this is the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And then he called that place house of God, Bethel. And verse 20, he made a vow. He said, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking, will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. This stone I've set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, God, I will give you a tithe, a tenth. Where did he learn that? I think no doubt from Abram and Melchizedek. Why the tenth? Leviticus chapter 27. Let me just read for us. Leviticus 27, verse 30. Now this is the law, but understand we learn principles from the law that go beyond the law. I hope you understand that. Verse 30, Leviticus 27. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. Verse 32, the entire tithe of the herd and flock, every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod, will be holy to the Lord. Now, why holy to the Lord? Because the tenth represents the whole. And so every time I tithe, I'm saying to the Lord, in honor of the Lord, I wouldn't have anything. If it wasn't for you. And this is to honor you, the tithe, because it all belongs to you anyway. Without you, I would have nothing. I don't know if you understand that in Matthew 23, Jesus said some blistering things to the Pharisees and Sadducees. He said here that they neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. But I want to point out, while he says they ignored and neglected the more important matters of the law, it says in that passage that Jesus says to them, you tithe all the way down basically to your salt and pepper. They tithe meticulously. Why? Because they knew the principle of the tithe. Tithe belongs to the Lord. 
And Jesus said to them, you've neglected the more important matters, which tells me, again, the tithe is a basic thing. You've neglected the more important matters. And then Jesus said, you should have done the former without leaving the latter undone. In other words, he commends them at the same time rebuking them for missing the more important matters. He commends them for the tithe. Biblical motivation, lots of it for the tithe. Oh, I hope you'll uh, please listen to this. This is just good stuff. I'm excited about this. I may be the only one excited about it. One is, we've already mentioned it honors the Lord. Every time I tithe, I'm honoring the Lord. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your increase. And I believe the first fruits is the tithe. It's an act of faith. I love what God says through the ministry of Malachi in Malachi chapter 3, because they were failing in tithing, among other things. And here's what the Lord says. Test me in this. God says, test me in this. And see if I won't open the floodgates of heaven and pour out on you such a blessing, you won't be able to contain it. What a thing for God to say. You test me. You can't outgive me. That's what he's saying. You honor me. You can't outgive me. It acknowledges that all my wealth comes from the Lord. Let me read from 1 Chronicles chapter 29. David is giving gifts himself for the building of the temple. He's giving opportunity for the people to give willingly for the building of the temple. And here's what he says, verse 12, chapter 29, wealth and honor come from you. You're the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have only given you what comes from your hand. David got it. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. We'd have nothing if it wasn't for the Lord. It opens the door. Oh, don't miss this one. It opens the door for spiritual blessings. I believe some people are not receiving the spiritual blessings that God wants to pour out on them because of a failure in honoring the Lord with our finances. Jesus said it, Luke chapter 16, verse 11. If you've not been faithful in handling worldly wealth, who's going to give you true riches? That's what Jesus said. It opens the door. For spiritual blessings. But get this, it opens the door for financial blessings. Malachi, I just mentioned. But listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6. Now, I want you to understand when I say this and read this verse, I'm not what people today would consider a prosperity preacher because I think they go too far. And I think the motive is just to get. But there's no question that God promises if we're faithful, we won't outgive Him. Luke chapter 6, verse 38, here's what Jesus said, give, and it'll be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. More generous I am, more generous God will be. That's what, that's what Jesus said. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul writes the same exact thing. Verse 10, now he who supplies seed to the sower... And bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will increase the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be made rich in every way. Why? So you can buy anything you want. 
It's not what it says. So that you can be generous on every occasion. God says, I'm going to give you more so you can give more. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God because of all the blessing that's happening for the kingdom of God through our giving. Hey, Jesus said in Matthew 6, don't lay up treasures here on earth where moth and rust corrupt, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And there, moth and rust don't corrupt and thieves don't break in and steal. It's in a locked box. I've been storing up treasure in heaven for over 37 years. I'm excited. I can't wait to get there. By the way, 1 Timothy chapter 6, the context of the root of, you know, love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Right there in the context of that, Paul writes and he says, here's the loose paraphrase. You came into this world but naked, and guess how you're leaving? But naked. Brought nothing into the world, take nothing out of the world. Only thing we're going to have in the next life is what we've invested for kingdom causes in this life. That's all we're going to have. And it furthers the work of the local church. And the local church is the entity for the advancement of the kingdom of God. In the Old Testament, it was the temple. It was the Levitical priesthood. In the New Testament, it's the church. I think there's so much evidence uh, for this, for biblical evidence for tithing through the local church. I'm going to give you a few. Acts chapter 4. This is not the tithe, but it's still the principle. New Testament church, people are selling land and houses, bringing the proceeds. And it says they laid the proceeds of their sales at the apostles' feet. That's just a statement saying that it, w- it was the apostles responsible for collecting and then distributing the offerings. I think that's the way it is. It's the leadership of the church. It's not one leader. It's a group of leaders. It's an accountability. Paul shows this repeatedly. 1 Corinthians 16, Paul in his missionary journeys, God gave him a heart for the poor the apostles, Peter and John, encouraged him to remember the poor in his ministry. He said, that's the very thing we were eager to do. And one of the things he did is he went around to churches where he ministered, uh, those even planted, and he collected a special benevolence offering for the poor saints in Jerusalem. And if you know, the famine hit Jerusalem and a lot of people were hurting. Uh, in the early church, when it first started, nobody had any needs because people were selling land and houses and the apostles were distributing to anyone as he had need. But that didn't continue. Famine hit and the saints, the Jewish saints in Jerusalem were hurting. Paul was taking up offerings to help them. But he was very careful to give them practical instruction. He said in 1 Corinthians 16, on the first day of the week, set aside a sum in keeping with your income. That's very practical. First day of the week. What day was that? Not Monday. No, no, no. Sunday was the first day of the week. Saturday was the Sabbath. Sunday was the first day of the week. Early church began to meet on Sunday because it was on the first day of the week that Jesus resurrected from the dead. So he's saying, when you come together, gather for worship, set aside a sum in keeping with your income. It was a church. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, in the collection and the the delivering and the distribution of these offerings, Paul makes sure there are leaders of the church that are overseeing it. Leaders that the church has ratified to say, these are the men. These are the ones. These are the leaders to oversee it. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, very, very practical passage here. Because again, the Old Testament, it was the temple, it was the Levitical priesthood, And let me give you a a little note here before I get into this little section and read this in 1 Corinthians 9. 
Old Testament Levitical priesthood, the temple uh, ministry, and the, the Levites were supported, full-time ministers. And what was it that supported them? What funds? It was from the tithe. Thanks for joining us today to study Christian basics right here on The Living Word with Pastor Danny Hodges. You can hear this message again or more from Pastor Danny's teachings throughout the Bible at our website, ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. We'd also like to encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on the latest videos. If you have any questions, prayer requests, or would simply like to talk with us, feel free to send us an email. Our address is info at ccfstpete.church. Again, that email address is info at ccfstpete.church. Be sure to let us know how we can be praying for you when you send us that email. We'd also love to meet you in person. So if you're ever in or near the St. Petersburg area, we'd love to invite you to join us for our weekly church services at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. Check out our website for service times and all the information you need to join us. We also live stream our services for those who are unable to attend in person. So don't let distance hold you back from worshiping with us. Find out more on our website. Once again, that's ccfstpete.church. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Join Pastor Danny next time for more Christian basics right here on The Living Word.